clubhouse. He can't point to a single code or conduct violation. He talks about litigation and damages, but no litigation has been filed, so there's no damages to consider. His entire impeachment claim is conjecture. Sometimes conjecture is all you need to get started. The truth prevails. It's not that kind of fight, Claire. Truth won't win this one. Well, if truth won't win it, I don't know what will. Menace. I don't know how to fight with Menace. I'll teach you. Welcome back to the Pod Clubhouse coverage of Yellowstone. Today we are discussing Season 5, Episode 8, titled A Knife and No Coin. So, welcome back, Sheila. Welcome How are you? back and Happy New Year. It's, happy New Year. It's 2023. <laughs> Which means I'll be writing the date wrong until about March. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, in happier <sighs> news, I am no longer sick, so this is my Yay. normal voice for those of you that have been with us for a while. This is how I normally sound for those that listened the last few weeks. I apologize. I listened back to the last episode we did, and I was like, oh my God, my voice. <laughs> it was just so, it just was so raspy, and, and but I, I was on lots of drugs over the Christmas yeah. break. I had steroids and antibiotics. It was, it was a wonderful thing. Now nice. I feel better, oh. so it was a wonderful thing. I'm glad. I'm glad you're better. Thank it you. is kind of weird to listen back to yourself, isn't it? It is. Well, it's not as terrible as it was in the beginning, because now I just pretend yeah. it's not me. I'm just listening to somebody talking about Yellowstone. Yeah. So it's not quite as bad if I don't think that it's me. Sometimes I don't like my laugh. <laughs> I don't like recording. most things about what I do, and I try to be <laughs> conscious of it when we do this going forward. But, yeah, yep, there's a little bit of a you know podcasting insight. You know, what's funny, too, is that so when I listen back to our podcast, like I, it still makes me laugh. You and I make me laugh. It's so funny. We're hilarious. Like, they give us our own know, show. Right? Oh, wait. <laughs> right. I'm like, we're funny. I oh listen back to it. I'm just like, I, I just find it hilarious that, you know, you and I have only met in person once. Yeah. And we have this rapport. We have this, uh, yeah, this easiness just, about you know, yeah. conversations that it's just it's, and we only met in person once. I know. I like that. Yeah, me too. Um, so, yeah, your picture, your family picture is on my fridge, and my kids are asking me who that boy is. And, I'm <laughs> like, like, and, who's, mom. and I was like, well, that's my friend, Sheila. And they're like, do we know him? I'm like, not technically. <laughs> so, well, there's plans fine. to go to Houston at some point <gasps> this year. Um, yeah? Yeah, because one of my friends just retired, and she's mm-hmm. moving to Houston in March. And then I have my friend also who lives outside of Houston, who I've known since college. And Ugh, this year is 25 years mm. since that happened. So since yeah. college, <laughs> well, since I uh, since we started basically, so oh, okay. since we became friends. Not since I graduated college. No, that that you know hasn't quite happened yet. But right? you know, we're definitely approaching that. Like I have we're getting 25th, there. I have a 25th high school reunion in 2022. It was supposed to be in 2021. You can do the math there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's uh, 2023 is a kind of a big year for yeah. like our little college crowd. So nice. Yeah. Well, so, that'll be fun. Well, so, good. We yeah, will we'll come down. You. We'll definitely swing by. Yes, for sure. But back to Yellowstone. Yeah. So, okay. This is what they're calling the mid-season finale, which makes me sad. 
I don't want to take a break. No, I don't want to take a break either. And it's very up in the air as to when it's coming back. Yeah, that's not okay. Yeah, I don't... Is this summer the character? Is this summer this... No, it's summer this It's like, when? I don't like that. Because that's a big range for me. Because, you know, like, Mm -hmm. summer is June till September. Well, for us, it's May through September. Yeah, well, it's you guys get, here. you know, hot, really stinking hot early. in so. May. Yeah. But yeah, so they're doing this mid-season break. Um, yeah. I don't know. The, whoever you want to believe in the rumor mill is who you can pick to believe. I've heard that they haven't yet filmed the last half of the season, which I'm like, mm. well, it's going to take longer than a couple mm. months because... That can't be right. Yo, it'd be frozen in Montana right now. There's snow everywhere. Yeah. Especially with all these storms that have hit the Midwest up and down. I'm sure they're just buried in mountains of snow. Yeah. I don't know what to believe. All I know is that they gave a very (laughs) undefined timeline and the rumor mill is churning it out big time. Yes, for sure. So we don't know when we'll be back, but... We will for sure be posting about it when we are. So this is a Yellowstone group that we have, the Yellowstone 666-1923, all all the news. So if you just type it in all the Taylor Sheridan shows, you'll find us. Um, And we post Mm -hmm. legit news sources when we get the news and the information. So what did you think of this episode in terms of a finale? I mean, I know it's mid-season, but think of it as a finale. Like, did you... I got a lot of cliffhanger moments that left me... Which I like in finales. Which I like, exactly. Because yes. the whole point of like a finale, a, a mid-season break, what, anything that you're going to pause and come back to is the need to want more. Like, I, yes. I need more of the story. We had the wolf story break. Um, I know. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, and on top of everything else, I didn't want to lose that because that's huge. Huge. And they just, it was like one sentence in this whole episode that they talked about the wolves. And I was like, oh my gosh. That's why I was like, I can't forget to mention the wolves. I know. You know, with Beth finding out about the train station and confronting Jamie about it, the impeachment, there was, and rainwater. So many things. There were so many things that were going on, but I was like, oh, I can't forget the wolves. Because, like you said, it was one sentence. It was it was yeah. a blurb in the news and just in the background. And there was but just, they call was they specifically say on Governor Dutton's ranch. So like they call him out. And this is just I mean we'll talk about it later. But I yeah. mean so it yeah as far as a cover up. Yes, as a finale, I really like where they left us because they left us hanging on a lot of things. And I like that in finales. I think that's what kept me watching Grey's Anatomy for freaking 17 years or whatever. I've dropped off that train now. but season six. Girl, (laughs) oh gosh. But don't they, at the end of every season... They leave it at a crazy cliffhanger. Yes. And, and, and that's that. what I liked about that show. Yes. So I like the fact that they did this. I, I feel like we're going to get two this season because yeah. we have the mid-season finale now, which they haven't done before. If they have, right. it's only been like a week break for Christmas and they come right back. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was would be the case. Same. Because you know? like I said, the rumor mill, it was hard to know what to believe because it was nothing official until today or yesterday. One of the mm-hmm. days that it came out that, yeah, it's going to be the summer, which is still not still not helpful because, like we said, there's a big oh, range in there. Yeah, that's not. And then that always now just, you know, my, that's the way my mind works because then it just begs the question that, well, when do we get a season six? If right. this starts in the summertime, you're going to go into the autumn with this. You're not starting this up in November. Yeah. Which is what they've been premiering the seasons the last two seasons, oh, I want to say. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that just leaves me now a cliffhanger for when do we get season six? <laughs> just to keep yeah. that cliffhanger metaphor going a little further. Right. <laughs> yeah, I like this episode, Steph, for a lot of reasons. Not just the whole cliffhanger 
cliff, cliffhangers, I really have to say cliffhangers because we got many of them aspects, but also because we got a lot of the things that we like about Yellowstone. We got a flashback. We got, you know, a little bit yeah. of substance. We got, we got Jimmy. We got him. Yeah, yeah, I know. We, we, we were, were just, just saying. talking about how much we missed him. We didn't get like a ton of like cowboy action other than kind of moving the cattle and stuff, but we did see a little bit of the action in Texas. So, you know, I think there was a lot of elements that you and I think is like the secret sauce of this show. And mm-hmm. I like this episode. There's been a lot of flack online. I went down a couple of rounds today from what we'll talk about. But there's I did a see, lot yeah, some of mixed flack that this comments. is a boring season, that there's yeah. the writing is off. And we're not here to slag the show in any way, shape, or form. We're fans. We like it. Yeah, but at the same time, there have been some criticisms that we've had of this show this this, this season in particular. But this episode kind of righted a lot of wrongs for me. I <laughs> so agree. Far. I think I think it did a lot of things right and gave us a lot of insight into the things we had questions about and the people we wanted to see, and then left us with really good cliffhanger. So I thought this was a great episode. I'm yeah, I'm excited to talk about yeah. it because as I was watching, I was like, oh god, I got questions. I got I enough questions. <laughs> Yeah. Like in true Yellowstone fashion, we start with a flashback, which I do love. Again, I think I say this every episode. I like young John played by Josh Lucas. So his voice is so gruff in this episode, too. So deep. I read something somewhere that they kept him and Kevin Costner away from each other so that like Josh Lucas would just develop his own John Mm. Dutton. Really? Yeah, so, but I, I guess the, the gravelly voice just goes with the character, I suppose. Yeah, I like it. I guess though. so. This is when we see Rip get branded. But even more than that, we get the story behind the brand. Yeah. Was this and why? Was this important for us to know why the brand? I think that we could kind of have guessed that, that it just creates loyalty. But it was, you know, a good point to hear from John, like why they started doing that and and why it means something. But yeah, I mean, we've kind of heard them say, if you wear the brand, this is your home and this is your family and we'll we'll always be here for you. So yeah, I mean, a little bit of insight into why they started it was good. But what do you think? I'm glad that we got to hear why. I wasn't surprised that it revolved around cattle. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to to uh, the way they got initiated, it made sense because then you have a brand. One question I had about it was, John said something, I just wanted to kind of pick your brain about it. He said that the cowboy started it, you know, but mm. he you know, kind of continues it. So, like, is that the way it came about? Or do you think that John was kind of the mastermind behind it? It just feels like John's the mastermind behind it. It feels like it's his way of creating loyalty to him. Thank you, because that's what I was thinking, and I was like, uh, I don't know if, yeah. you know, that kind of organically comes about from the Cowboys to self-mutilate. Right. <laughs> um, it kind of bugged me that he didn't stay, that he was like, no, this is between the cow. like, I'll know in the morning. I was like, come on, man. Because it did feel like it was his initiation, or whatever you want to call it. So, for him to leave, I thought that was kind of shitty. Like, I don't know, it just fell off. It felt Don't off, leave. and it also didn't feel right because he pushed Rip into it, and he, he definitely made it sound like Rip did not have a choice. I thought so, too. It's like you take the brand or you go back to Wyoming and don't come back. Like, that's pretty clear message. Right, and, you know, that indicates that you really don't have a choice there, young Rip. Yeah. And, yeah, the fact that he didn't stay, I, I, I guess it's that's a power move, too. Like, you're going to be loyal to me, and I don't even have to stay to see it. Watching someone get branded in the show is icky, 
Um, but that added to it, you know, him leaving and then him and making it seem like he didn't have a choice. And that, that's kind of how the branding comes about. Like, I think anytime we've seen someone branded, it didn't seem like they really had much of a choice. Right. Like even like the, the whole crowd that got branded a couple of seasons ago yeah. when Teeter and Ryan and Colby, like they all got branded all at the same yeah, time. Yeah, they got like stomped by the horses. And Well, it was after it was already done. Yeah. You know, and then they were like, oh, and well, now, now, you've, now you've done it. Now you got to do it. Then this raised the question to me why Casey got branded. Because if you rewind back to whatever that season was, probably two or three, where they discuss it. The discussion was basically like he branded Casey, John did. Yeah, himself. And basically so he wouldn't leave. So that seems very forced. Like it was not Casey's decision. It was not a choice. I ended up going down a couple of Yellowstone rabbit holes today because of one of the theories <laughs> uh, of that we have later to talk about. Um, <laughs> it's my burning question. And one of the articles that I was reading, it talks about the branding that happens in the show. And then it talks about how all of the branding has been done to sort of cover up some sort of criminal activity. Whereas mm -hmm. Casey's brand was as punishment because he got Monica pregnant and John kind of saw this as a little bit of a, uh, a failure, I suppose, on Casey's part and yeah. needed to punish him for it. So that's how Casey's brand happened. Like there was nothing criminal around it where every other brand has been to, like you said, sow some loyalty for yeah. for something that has happened. Yeah, I just kind of raised a question again about Casey and why he wears the brand specifically. But every time we see this, we kind of come back around to like, do they have a choice? Is this really creating loyalty? Or it kind of just feels like a trap. <laughs> I don't know. It does feel like a trap, all of it. Yeah. But I Anyways. mean, the reward for it then is what people who live this type of lifestyle crave stability, right? Well, mm -hmm. to some extent, maybe some don't crave stability. Some people just like to drift. But in this line of work, it's guaranteeing them a job. It's guaranteeing them a place to live for the rest of their life, you know, where you need shelter, you need food, you need safety mm -hmm. and security in order to reach your higher potential. So in order to have, you know, to be focused in your job, you have to make sure you know where you're going to sleep tonight, you know where your next meal's coming from. So there right. is some safety in choosing the brand. And I think that's why most of them or all of them did, you know, or they just didn't want to go to the train station. <laughs> Right. Or I mean, you know, if they don't know about the training station, they don't want to go to jail. Right. Uh, oh, one thing I wanted to, to ask or just posit, you know, is um, when we see after Rip gets back from being branded, you know, the, the cowboys that mm -hmm. are sitting around the table. I just keep wondering that guy Wade from last season or the season before. I'm sorry. I'm getting all my Yellowstones mixed up. I know. The guy that Wade they took the brand back from. I feel like it was last season. Oh, I remember that now. Before. Okay. I I... Before. Remember the guy that yes. took the, the brand back from because he knew all yes. of John's Yes, Wade Morrow. Yes. Oh, my God. You remembered his last name. I remember yes. Wade. I just wonder if Wade is sitting around those tables. Like, oh, anytime we see these flashbacks you're probably now. right. Yes. Yeah, I'm reaching deep back into the Yellowstone well there. Girl, you have such a memory. I'm like, man, all these things blur together sometimes. But meanwhile, but, then yeah, I walk into right. the room today and I'm like... Ugh, I had a purpose in walking in here, but yeah, Wade, Wade got hung from a tree yeah. and they took back his brand and they Ooh. killed his son. Well, his son kind of yeah. fell off a horse and hit his head on a rock, but you know, tomato, tomato. <laughs> exactly. I was about to say that, <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah, you, you remember some of these details, but you're right. I bet he stuff. is. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> 
You're funny. Awkward silence and <laughs> As we realize, we don't get paid. We don't get paid. <laughs> we do this for fun. We do. Okay. It's cool. I learned not long ago, and I don't know how we never talked about it, that young Lloyd in the show is actually Lloyd's son. Yeah. Okay. I think I saw that. There, so you know, girl, like my whole Facebook page is Yellowstone articles and things like that. So I swear I saw that in like a headline somewhere. So yeah, that would make sense. I would, I would think so. Because I know that I've remarked that, wow, there's an uncanny resemblance mm-hmm. between young Lloyd and Lloyd. But yes, that is in IRL, his... Uh, in IRL. <laughs> well, no, not in IRL. IRL. That is his son. And I saw a headline this week that the girl who plays Clara is somehow related to a producer. That was part of my rabbit hole today. Yes. Okay. Clara is Lily Kay. She is the daughter of Stephen Kay, who has directed 15 episodes and produced 28 episodes of Yellowstone. Yes. Okay. He's also worked on the mayor of Kingstown. So he's, he's steeped in Taylor Sheridan lore. Yeah. Which also then makes Piper Perabu her stepmom. Oh, okay. Because she is married to Stephen Kay. I feel like if you are entered into the Taylor Sheridan world and you are like blessed by him or something, because he puts your music on his show, he puts your children on his show. He puts your, <laughs> I'm like, dang, it must be nice to be his friend. Grimes had a song in this show. Yes. It is, it is all in the family here. And by the way, it that is. was an excellent song. Excellent. It's called No Horse to Ride. And I it, know. it's playing when the when we get back to the ranch, like are, when they're Yeah, they're corralling yeah. up the cattle for uh loading into the trailers and stuff. Best I job. actually heard that song on the radio before this episode, before I saw this episode. Did and you know I, it was it, him? I did, because uh, they they talked about it. They were saying, Oh, this is the new song from Luke Grimes. That's I awesome. didn't super love it. I like, really like well, you know what? I liked it because in the show because I Shazam everything because I'm 87 years old. Um, <laughs> as I'm listening to it, I'm like, oh, I was like, that guy's voice sounds kind of familiar. I was like, who is that? And then I, you know, did it. I was mm-hmm. like, Luke Grimes, that's awesome. Yep. And he got a record deal, too. That's pretty cool. I guess, yeah. you know, Taylor Sheridan Universe has That's perks. what I'm saying. Like, he, once we get he to see episodes blesses early, you, he then you're... a record deal. <laughs> yeah. It's like, if you're in his world, then you're good to yes. go. But I also think, like, in the context of, like, the moment in the show, mm-hmm. things were okay. The crisis of the cattle, you know, is it's waned yeah. a little bit. So there was no imminent danger. So I think it just had, like, a little moment niched in this, this little scene here. And I'd have to hear it kind of, like, on its own with, like, nothing mm-hmm. else kind of... No, it was a great song over the scene. Yeah, like, But just the listening overlay. to it, like, on its own, it's, I'm not a crazy about it, but, I mean... I'm willing to, I'm definitely interested in hearing what else he has. Um, Maybe him and Ryan so Bain yeah. will go on tour. Exactly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> They'll just be swooning uh, everywhere. Dang. Ryan, tweet me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Send us more ranch water. Oh my gosh. I know. Send us more ranch water. That was amazing. I keep buying more ranch water. They, their marketing ploy worked on me. It really did because I buy it too. It did. Yeah, it was good. I had talked to my local beer distributor uh, last year when we got... Nope, yeah. la- wasn't last year. No, it, it was, was like 2021. To my local beer distributor, I said, have you heard of Ranch Water? He goes, yeah, I've heard of it. And he was like, why, you want me to order for you? I said, yeah, 
could you? He's like, you're going to buy it, right? I said, yeah, I'll come back. So I bought like, so we got the, the couple of cases sent to us. And then I went back and I told him that they sent it to me. And he's, he shared some of the promo stuff that he got with me because he said oh, his cool. first batch sold out. I didn't even get to get any. Oh, really? From That's him good. Because it sold out. So I guess nice. enough people had seen it on Insta and wherever else. And so then I got the next but he was thanking nice. me for that so well that's good yeah so i got some more water swag which was awesome <laughs> <laughs> anyway but we got a glimpse of jimmy i know it was really nice to have him on the screen and you were saying like oh we really miss him and not and then i had the well, maybe but you're right it was really needed and it felt comforting to see him all happy and cute with emily and wearing wedding rings did you see that no, I yes. didn't notice wedding rings. Oh, I'm so yep. slow. I'm very observant on certain things, and now apparently not on that. I noticed it when they were—he was riding a horse, and okay. then, and then uh, when they um, later, when they were both sitting on the bench, like at the end of the day, they both had on wedding rings. So, oh, I'm gonna have to go. Well, congratulations, Jimmy. And Emily. I That's know. Amazing. There's one part here where Emily kind of did this thing, and I was just like, "Ugh, did not like that." She snapped at him about the bottle caps. And I was like, is this like a signal of like some trouble in paradise? And Jimmy's really quick to go, but I'm happy. Is it just like married life? Like this? It's like when you first get married and you fight over like the toothpaste or something? Like this <laughs> is like one of those first year. This is one of those first year marriage fights is the bottle caps. <laughs> I guarantee you. Because <laughs> ours was so, the toothpaste. We're so wizened <laughs> at our, our Ours was here. the toothpaste. I had a little bit of discomfort there, but you're making me feel better. Yeah, it was just a little like, they just got married. You don't have to like get used to somebody. And their disgusting habits. His, not mine. No. Yeah, right? <laughs> I don't have disgusting habits. Sure I don't. <laughs> but I was happy to see that Jimmy seems so much more at ease with being a cowboy, yeah. or at least a Texas cowboy. I don't know. He just never really felt in place in Montana. Right. So I'm liking I thought that we saw him shirtless to see the brand like on purpose, though. That made me think for like half a second, like, does he end up back at the Yellowstone? Because he wears the brand. So is he just the Texas satellite campus of Yellowstone or is, or is he going to go back there? But now that he's married, I don't know. But as we saw with Wade Morrow, who you just brought up, people do leave the ranch wearing the brand. So they do. It could well, happen. Wade was, I guess, of maybe choice. didn't leave on good terms. But yeah. I'm just saying, yeah. What I mean is, there might be people wandering the earth wearing the brand who don't actually reside on the Yellowstone. One thing you just when you just said that about people walking the earth with the brand who don't live at the Yellowstone, John also has all these horses out there that Travis is racing for him and uh, oh, not right. racing, but uh, doing like the horse cutting and the different events with the the horses that he got. I feel like it was last season. I'm sorry if I'm wrong, but I know that he. Yeah, I think it was last season that he, he invested in all these horses, and we hadn't heard a peep out of it this season. But yeah. we heard about it this episode where John's asking Rip about like you know what outfit they're going to get to help him out in Texas, and he mentioned Travis. It also just made me think that John has an empire beyond the Yellowstone, right? That he's building, well, and that's more maybe why I think we saw the brand as a reminder that John's not as small potatoes as he kind of makes himself out to be. Or at least there, he's starting to branch out. Yeah, starting to pay attention to like yeah. his surroundings and calling on. I wouldn't be surprised if like Jimmy is not called upon 
when they get down to Texas to either lead some sort of faction or relieve Rip because maybe some shit goes down at home that he's got to go back for some train station like shit or something. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. There's there's a lot of possibilities, but because he, and then if nothing else, even if he has Emily, he still has to be loyal to the brand. Mm -hmm. So it's very, the questions are afoot now. Yeah, we've got six episodes to go, so there's a lot of time to pack in here. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see Jimmy being called upon for some sort of cowboy action. And don't forget, I don't, I don't think he's going anywhere, honestly, because he's part of the six, the four sixes show Mm -hmm. that eventually we'll get. So I think he's kind of staying put, but I think he's going to have a bigger role to play going in the last half of the season. We would like that. We would like that. So we see Jimmy as this easy Texas cowboy, and then we head back to Montana, where the cowboys in Montana are getting ready to be Texas cowboys yeah. <laughs> going forward for a year or so. Crazy. So they're, like, packing up the cattle and getting ready to ship out. So Monica and John have this conversation as all of this cattle action is happening in the background. Do you remember that episode when John sits down with her? Mm-hmm. and tells her about his brother. Paul and I had recorded that episode. You were out of commission that week. Yeah. And I was like, Paul, I was like, I'm not proud to say it. Like, I was a blubbering mess mm-hmm. for this little speech by John about this little boy living this perfect life. And, oh, it just, it got me in the mom feels. Yeah, Yeah. right? I know. And I just liked how easy Monica and John looked, at least Monica with John that she was thanking him for these words and how she leaned on them. And there was just this hint of relaxation. Mm-hmm. Did you get that for just a few moments? Yeah. Well, it's it's almost like a different way to relate to someone, a different level of understanding of each other or, or why he is the way he is. You know, like it's like a little bit of insight into someone. So it's like she saw a slightly different side of him. And this conversation really helped that as well by him coming to her and asking for Casey's help, that probably did a lot to soften or continue to soften her view of him. That was sort of in their conversation, like a different level of like kindness or or understanding to the way that they speak or handle each other. So it's like this trauma bond, like the two of them now yeah. like they know that they've experienced mm-hmm. the same kind of loss. Granted, Monica's was a baby and that's very tragic, but there's no easy way to lose a child. So John and Lee, I'll never forget season one, episode one, he's sitting in the graveyard holding Lee. I know. So, you know, it's, they have this, this bond, but then also John was able to relate a story that his mother experienced and just, you just relate to somebody on a different level when you know that you have like this trauma bond. and, And like you said, there's this understanding between them that he knows the way to get to KC is to make sure that Monica's felt heard mm. and respected. And good job on him for reading the room yeah. and going to Monica to talk to her <laughs> because he's learning. And this is the good thing about John. Yeah. He's evolving as a character. He knows he doesn't want to lose KC again. And he's come very close a couple of times here. And now he, he realizes that the way to get to KC is to make sure that his family is yeah. made whole all the time. And just by asking and and her saying, like, all you had to do is ask. Like, and that's kind of how it is. Like, nobody wants to be told what to do. But if you ask somebody for something, most people care and they would love to help you. You know what I mean? So it's like, just ask me and I'll do whatever I can. But tell me, eh, maybe, nope, not doing it. You know, so. Right. And then also, like, your dad telling you, there's always this sort of, like, rebellious streak in you. So 
Like, I'm just not going to do it because you told me how to do it. And that's kind of how I am. Oops. But, um, so yeah. And I thought that was funny that he was like, well, now I know. So yeah, I liked that scene a lot. Yeah. A little bit of humility as well. You know, now Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah. Because he's only used to one way of doing things. So yeah. John seemed kind of like sad in this, like telling everybody goodbye, talking to Rip and then hugging Casey and telling him, I love you. That I was like, what's going on? Like, uh, I don't think I've ever seen John hug one of his kids while they're alive. Well, and I thought to myself, too, he hugged him technically in front of like a whole ranch full of cowboys and right. men and, you know, like we're doing cowboy Rip, shit. Like, you know, the two of them beat yeah. the snot out of each other a couple of seasons ago. You know, So they're like hugging. He's like hugging. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that that was interesting that he didn't care that he was in the middle of his ranch. In front of all those people, and he hugged his son. So, like, because anyway, that doesn't yeah. seem like the John that we have seen in the past. No, and I was trying to figure out like what is going on with John. Like, I feel like maybe because the hug and telling him that he loves Casey is just so out of character. I feel like the breaking up of his team with mm-hmm. Rip going yeah, away and sending people you know, away, half the bunkhouse, you know, being the chaperone to these cattle all the way down to Texas. I think it's scaring John because it's like a foreshadowing of his ranch disappearing. Right. That's true. And I, I guess he's like getting that. a little sentimental, a little emotional, and he's got nowhere else to put it but on his son. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as he's got this understanding with Monica, he can't reach out to her and he doesn't feel the same way about her. Yeah. As he does with Casey. And I guess he feels like he's losing everybody, too. So maybe he's got to try something different to maybe keep them. So, again, this is like his growth as a character. And I'm I'm enjoying the fact that he's trying out different feelings. Right. He's taking, you know, taking love out for a spin. Different You know, how it handles. (laughs) But now this this question that he asks of Monica, basically roping her and her family into running the ranch while he's away and Rip is away. Does he already know the answer to the question when he asked it of Monica, or is he going to her to ask her this in an effort to gain her support? I didn't feel like he already knew the answer. Okay. I, I don't think so like, either. I think he was yeah. hedging a bet. Yeah. Just I think he was like, he okay, would... how can I get Casey to stay the best way? To, you know, but it didn't feel manipulative either. It just felt like he no, it realized. Felt genuine. Yeah. But it also felt like he had nobody else to ask. Exactly. Yeah. So it was kind of like, well, the only one left is the most capable. And then he also framed it in the nicest of ways possible by saying, well, if this is going to be Tate's one day, he's got to know how to do it. Yeah, I think that was smart of him to throw Tate's name in there. <laughs> right? It's definitely going to you know, make Monica just sit up and pay attention. And then he offers another property. I was like, how many houses are on this right? bridge? That That's East funny. Camp is another one. The East close, Camp. Close to the reservation. So he really fired on a lot of cylinders here to make mm-hmm. this as palatable as possible for Monica. But like, again, yeah. good for him for knowing how to read the room finally. Right. At least in this no, instance. Yeah, I think he did good. I thought it was funny too when Casey was like, um, have you seen the East Camp? It was not yeah. great. <laughs> so. Well, that happens. That happens later, yeah, right? That yeah. Later, so yeah. he's sell. Yeah, he's selling. He's not selling East Camp in the best way possible. But Monica knows she's had the time to process this. And I again, this is where I feel like John did a really master stroke here because it gave Monica a lot of time to think about the pros and cons 
mm-hmm. before Casey before Casey out. came. Yeah. Because as much as Casey's grown as a character since we first met him, he still would have just been like, yeah, my dad wants us to run the ranch. Like, he just mm-hmm. wouldn't sugarcoated it in any way possible. But, yeah. you know, she's had the time to think about this, and, and it definitely sounds like the first pass is, is pretty good for her. She's, she's excited about it because it's just mm-hmm. not something that she had thought of before. And then, you know, this, she's still grieving actively, so this yeah. no-nursery house is probably the most Oh, I know. When she said that, thing. I was like, oh, my God yeah yeah she's like not ready to take it down I'm like oh my gosh right and then, yeah so it's just easier just to turn the key and walk away yeah for sure leave it to somebody who's not emotionally attached to that that outcome so that'll be interesting to see as the ranch problems develop without john sort of paying it close attention and how they handle it right these are all the things i'm psyching myself up for this for this long break we're gonna have a lot of time to come up with possible outcomes i know so the next phase of this episode kind of brings us back to the thread that's been happening throughout this season and this this lead up to how John is not running the state in a very, you know, kosher way. Yeah. And I just like the fact that Jamie's impeachment speech, I, I kept typing impeach speech. And <laughs> impeach speech. <laughs> and it just made me laugh. But I just appreciated that we knew that this presentation before the state legislature was coming on his behalf. But yeah. the fact that they left it to a little past halfway in the episode, I was like, oh, yeah, way to dangle a carrot. I really liked the way they overlaid like the Senate hearing with the Rainwater press conference and the two, John and Jamie, talking back and forth. That was really interesting to watch. I think that was more interesting to hear what they were going to say next, but when you were going back and forth between them. So I really liked that whole scene. It did a great job to ratchet up the tension because it was going back and forth because it would cut off from Jamie. He was laying out the charges, this egregious Mm -hmm. act of dereliction. And then, like, you see them assembling for the press conference at Broken Rock. It was just enough break in the tension. And then everything happening at Broken Rock was bringing you right back up. It was a very Mm -hmm. masterful way to kind of play with our emotions. Yeah. And John's speech at Broken Rock, it like gave us more because, you know, he keeps saying that word progress and then he just has like a sentence and then he's like, and I'm the one who's going to stand against it. He did like a really good job of of diving deeper into that. He didn't sound like a politician. Yeah. It he seems still really sounded like himself, but he was doing the political game. Like, I think he was taking mm-hmm. Linnell's advice, saying, if you don't play the game, the game will play you. And he was saying the right things. You know, if we're targeting a community that has been run down and, you know, has been overlooked in so many other capacities and we're going to do this again, he's going to strain community. I thought that was yeah. a really great way to put it because that's a very big gloss over, you know, the last 250 years of yeah. of relations with the Native American population. But in this context, it's both self-serving and noble the way he comes across right so he's still doing it his way but he's doing the right thing for the people of the state of montana which is something you and i have like from episode one of this season we're like how well does he govern yeah because all of this was self-serving to a point and then we're like okay well once he's done his thing now what yeah so i'm appreciating the now what and we're getting to see that he is standing up to the people of Montana. And as much as we can talk about how much he's standing up for the people of Montana, there's also this big veil 
around it because it's also pertaining to his ranch. Yeah, exactly. It's like he has almost almost come out and said that before, like in his speeches of like, we just don't want the airport, right. which equals I don't want it on my land. But he didn't say that specifically. So he was saying, you know, this will lead to disastrous effects of this community. Like he was talking about someone else other than himself. And so it did come off like more genuine. But were his intentions pure when he showed up? Because this Mm. little conversation Mm. that he has with Rainwater just had me kind of scratching my head going, this feels disingenuous, John. But then he gets up and he has this speech. Again, I feel like the speech is is a little bit self-serving. You can kind of take away whatever the nouns that he's talking about here, Mm -hmm. like running a pipeline. You can take out running a pipeline and you can put in out-of-town residents, you know, or out-of-state residents living here. Out-of-state residents may be progress for the owners of the... I just took the notes out. The, running a pipeline might be progress for the owners of the pipeline, but for the strain community, it impacts. Yeah. Like, I feel like he can just take out running a pipeline and put in whatever <laughs> thing annoys him. Yeah. Environmental groups with wolves, you know, whatever it ends up being. So while he sounded like himself, but he, there was also like this political edge to it, yeah, of course. Which made it sound like a governor should speak. But then, like, when you and I dial it back, we're like, it's just same old John. Yeah, he's <laughs> just doing his thing for still his ranch. Still n- just not wanting a pipeline on his land, but Because I'm sure up. that some of that pipeline in some way, shape, or form is going to touch some of his land. Well, yeah. So him coming out forcefully against it with the full weight of his office behind it also <laughs> insulates him going right. forward, too. So. I don't know. I like the way that John found out about the impeachment. I That was really good. That was exciting to watch. It like trickled through the crowd. And then like poor Rainwater, he's up there trying to speak. And I was, the, I think the second time I watched it, I was trying to listen to what he was saying. And like, no, you couldn't even make out what he there was, was saying. There was nothing. Yeah. Like no one's listening to him. I was like, poor guy, man. But this was, yeah, the news reporters all screaming at him and so that I don't know. I thought that was an interesting way for him to find out versus him just sitting on the couch and like throwing a glass into the fire, you know? Right. <laughs> I like that Linnell was there to coach him because I feel mm-hmm. like if she hadn't been there, it would have been a different outcome. Mm. I don't I just I don't think that he would have held his temper. I don't know in public, like on a stage. I don't know. I, I mean, it, it's an interesting quandary to kind of debate because I'm just like, oh, I don't know. If she was there, just like in his ear at that moment, going composure. Yeah. I don't know if he would have had the same level of composure. I think he might have not said much like he did and then walked off, but I don't know. It's one for the ages. We'll have to Yeah. We'll have to agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we said that last episode. We hate that phrase. I'm gonna say, and we don't like that word. That no, we phrase, don't like Sheila. it. No. But I just wasn't sure if he would have had the same level of mm-hmm. stature had she not just be like, Don't don't respond, you know, just get out of here. But I did like that he was like, nope, this isn't about me. You have to make mm-hmm. this about the issue that we're talking about because it's still going to be here tomorrow. And Which is basically another way for him to be like slam dunk Jamie into the pavement yeah. because he's just like, yeah, this little, you know, gnat doesn't matter. Yeah. He'll, he'll be, you know, yesterday's news tomorrow. So I have a question for you, though, before we get off this topic was about rainwater. Mm-hmm. So Linnell is there and, you know, she's saying that this is like kind of light presence on the stage from from the council. And, you know, he divulges to Linnell that, you know, there's a power struggle happening within the Broken Rock tribe. 
Yeah. How is he going to remain chairman in your eyes if the only two people who really kind of support him are the federal senator and the governor? I'm kind of questioning whether he does. He seems less formidable now. Like, I think we were discussing last time, like, what's he going to do about Angela? Like, we haven't seen any action from him as far as, like, campaigning or... And the first time you we know. met Angela, they were both afraid of her. So Yeah, so it doesn't feel I like he's... I like what you just said, that he seems less formidable, because that's the nail on the head that I'm like, oh. Yeah, he like something's feel... different. With, yeah, like, like he doesn't feel as stoic or as yeah. composed, I guess, as he's been in the past. Like, he feels a little... I don't know, his appearance is a little unkempt, like his hair is not quite in place like it used to mm-hmm. be. Like, there's, like, little telltale signs that, like, he's kind of unraveling at his core a little. Interesting. I'll have to go back and watch. Yeah, like, oh, but yeah, I mean, they're also seems... outside and stuff like that. But, like, I mean, I feel like it's been a couple times when we've seen him, he just hasn't been as polished as yeah. he's been in the past. Whereas, like, he's had outside speeches before and outside activities and, like, not a hair on his head moved. Whereas, like, this time it was a little... little or, disheveled. like, he seemed more confident or something or, or spoke more... Yeah, um, I, I think just rounding it out saying he just seems less formidable is enough... Yeah of a statement and then everybody can draw their own conclusions from that but i think that's the stature that we need to look at this from like he is Mm -hmm. not the tom rainwater from like season one and that's kind of what's making me feel like i'm not sure that he does sort of defeat angela rainwater yeah right he's just kind of letting things happen and he's playing defense not offense to use a term from later in the show right (laughs) but yeah it just it just remains to be seen how this all plays out because angela's not going to be the one to replace him because she's working with the president right we learned this last time out but this guy martin that she's kind of grooming doesn't seem to have much of a presence other than he was just spotted this show so not sure we're not sure where this goes but it's just something just to keep an eye on but uh, and then also just keeping an eye out for what you said that he just doesn't look quite as formidable and just watching Mm -hmm. that and see where that goes yeah before we move off of this this topic of conversation i gotta ask you did you maybe see or hear or pick up on something from clara i was kind of seeing some like long lingering looks this episode from her she was kind of like all in on john following the jamie announcement about the impeachment yeah. she was like well the, it's all conjecture she was just so she was so adamant like flustered yes yeah. like she was adamant about it. she was flustered by it mm-hmm. i don't know is there maybe some feeling some admiration for john she did go with him you know up the mountain with the cattle mm-hmm. and to the branding and to the fair i feel like there's as much as trauma bonding with john and monica there was some <laughs> you know cattle bonding between john maybe. and clara here i wouldn't have written down that i saw like a spark in her eye or something but maybe it's just more of a sense of familiarity like less professional relationship now that they've spent some time together like outside of work you know doing the yeah, branding she just and going to the fair like and... all in for john because wasn't she kissing a woman at the fair or is yeah that my... yeah okay, she had yeah. her little moment there so i mean which doesn't mean she's not into john i'm just saying like um yeah that's true i, I did forget about that so yeah but i just think that she's she set aside any of the sort of bewilderment that she felt initially at how he was approaching running Montana. And I think her seeing how he lives and his dedication to his land has mm-hmm. al- allied her loyalty. I'm hoping she doesn't need a brand uh, to show <laughs> that loyalty. But, um, <laughs> no. you know, you never know with these buttons. You know, who knows? Oh, 
but um, maybe that was it. Maybe it was just more along the lines of... Like, it just, you're more comfortable with someone after you've gone like, on vacation with them. You know what I mean? Like, think of it yeah, that way. Yeah, that maybe, all right, maybe, all right, talk me back, <laughs> that's okay, that's good. Uh, maybe that's more, more what I was seeing, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know um, that it was a spark, but maybe it's just a... A professional spark or a... A uh, friendly glimmer, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> a friendly glimmer. I love it. Okay. I just wanted to talk to you about that because I was like, all right, you see a lot of things like that too. So I just wanted to see what your take was on that. So, you know, sometimes I read a little too much into these things. Who knows? Yeah. Beth has this cute little moment with her perfume and her bra. Mm -hmm. And she's like looking at the empty bed. And I was just like, oh, man. So I thought Beth was growing some feelings. But, you know, that got squashed nice and quick. Yeah. All right. I spent a lot of time today. On Facebook, looking at some Yellowstone theories. This whole, like, back and forth between her and Summer now with the Tito's and the Scotch and the peanut Mm -hmm. M&M's and the peanut allergy. And (laughs) are they, like, what are they? Are they frenemies? Are they mean girls? What are they? I don't know. I feel like frenemies is even a stretch a little. Like, they're just coexisting, I think. Like, in a mildly friendly way, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's a very weird dynamic between them, but I feel like I feel like Beth is right. Like they're gonna get along just fine because they kind of have this after the the big brawl a couple episodes mm-hmm. ago. I guess they feel like they have this sense of that's where we got the agree to disagree thing. Yes, from. exactly. And why does Summer still look so beat up and Beth looks okay? Well, I, I was like, Beth dang, her, her face still looks horrible. Yeah. We gotta talk. Yeah. To, we gotta talk to Beth's plastic surgeon. But watching a lot of Grey's Anatomy lately, I'm catching up on life, and you know she needs a Dr. Mark Sloan in her life. Yes. So. Don't we all, Sheila? Don't yes. We all? Yes. Don't we all? McDreamy and McSteamy. Uh, I was always Team McSteamy all the way. <laughs> but then this is where Beth learns about Jamie's ultimate betrayal. Yeah, And I wanted to ask you about Beth's look, her reaction. Was this what you expected or did you expect a big blowout? Yeah, I expected like the screaming or the throwing of the bar glass into the fire again. You know, like some action. I definitely knew she was going to hunt him down. But in the moment, yeah, in the moment I thought there would be some sort of like scream or something. But this was for me the moment when you're a kid. And now that we're parents, I'm sure we have those moments too. <laughs> like when mom gets quiet, mm-hmm. like that's when mom is scary. Like when Beth got <laughs> quiet, angry here, I was like, oh no. I was like, oh mm-hmm. Lord, this is bad. Because like it was, it was so much worse for her to be composed. You know, she just let slip like motherfucker. Like there was, there was yeah. really no other reaction. But like her eyes were telling you that her mind was worrying. Mm-hmm. And... For me, it was it was much more of a scary Beth than when she's flinging ashtrays and, you know, killing yeah. intruders and stabbing Jamie with whatever she's got around him, her But The other thing that I was really shocked at was the legislature vote in the actual news. I know. I did think that, too. I thought, wow. 67 to 33. Which, that had a lot of weight to it. Like, that, that, mm, that's not that's nothing. That's a solid majority. That yeah. is a two-thirds majority, you know? That's a lot. 
Yeah. That's a lot. And then, you know, keep in mind that John didn't win this election in a landslide, so he does not seem to have a lot of allies in the legislature to back him up. The only one he's really got is Linnell, and she's in Washington. So this is going to be interesting to play out because she still holds a lot of political weight in Montana. And how much of that is she going to exercise to save him? I don't know that she could. That was just another little aside that I was just like, oh, wow, that was surprising. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he has a whole lot of um, weight in this fight other than, what did he call it? Menace. But I mean, um, I meant political weight, you know. I definitely expected Beth to show up at Jamie's house. Totally saw her breaking in the house. That was coming for sure. (laughs) Even hitting him in the head with the rock. (laughs) I was like, damn. But I, I don't know. You know, I'm always slightly team Jamie. I was really happy that he, like, he manhandled her. He, like, tried to push her away. Like, he was like, get out of my house. You know, normally he's sitting there, like, all shivering and quivering and silent and, like, scared look. And he's, like, yelling back at her and putting her in her place a little bit. I just enjoy that scene a lot. And for her to not know about the train station, like, that's shocking to me. And I know there's some logistical questions around that, but just in in general... I liked that about this confrontation that Jamie was like, really? Like, think about it. What are you going to do? You know, and it it just felt good, I guess, to have him stand up to her and say, like, you don't have anything because you can't share that. Like, don't you think that there's other secrets at the bottom of that hill? I didn't think that Sarah should come sauntering down the stairs. That part was like, ugh. I don't know. She yeah, that felt cheap. She, it did. It felt gr- like icky in that moment for her to do that, and because then Beth turned her, yeah, I turned her attention. Like, oh, you know, the comment about the marionette. She's like, oh, I am. Like that was just no. Every inch of him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I really so liked him much. yelling back at her. Yeah. So much in this short scene did yeah. so much for me. I want to talk f- first about Jamie's laugh when he laughs at her. He laughs at Beth. <laughs> go did you even know and just how he laughed i was like oh like we have a new level of cold unlocked here. yeah it was the first time that jamie i think in however many episodes there's been five and a half seasons it's the first time he's had the upper hand with yeah. any of the duttons yeah and he was enjoying every second i want to say like as he should because they are so horrible to him but i know the situation it's like He's, you know, the traitor or whatever. But I just like him standing up to her because she is so horrible to him through every interaction. Part of me is sort of rooting for him to, like, piss her off even more or something. (laughs) This next part is the entire, like, rabbit hole of my entire existence today. (laughs) How in the hell does Beth not know about the train station? Right. She showed up at the train station. And we could talk about this. The finale of season four. The la- I went back and watched that whole episode mm-hmm. today because I was like, but she. So the way she was there want- first. Well, well I wanted Wasn't to see she- how this came about. Right. So she came at Jamie from a different angle in season four, the finale in season season four, episode 10. She came at him as he was approaching the cliff, mm-hmm. which to me seems like she was there already. Yeah. It's a dark road. It's very remote. So that kind of eliminates her following him. Yeah. 
right? I, I, and he would have heard her pull up behind him. I don't care what kind of a sneaky car she thinks she has. Uh, <laughs> sorry, our friend Paul tending to that in our group. Um, sneaky car. That because we were we were tossing around this theory because I was like, am I crazy? I might be, but no. Um, I, I mean, logistically, it doesn't add up. But like I said, the look on her face when she doesn't realize that this is the train station that was really really good to watch. But I agree with you, and that it doesn't add up. It doesn't add up for a couple of reasons. One, yeah, sure, the logistics that she was there is one. But also, like, Jamie even laughed when he laughed at her, saying, Mm. like, you know, a century's worth of Dutton's secrets are there. Like, it wasn't their dad that figured this out. This was, you know, Dutton's before them. And we're kind of seeing some of that play out in 1923. That's in its third episode, I think, now. But that she didn't give any thought to the fact that there's this other side to where do those enemies go? You can't tell me that this woman who foresaw needing to build a moat around yeah. her father's ranch and buying up all these properties like and figuring out a conservation easement. Right. And smart. And figuring out to sell market equities, her stake in market equities, or no, Schwartz and Meyer before market equities got to her. You can't tell me from that logistical standpoint that she didn't know that all of a sudden some of these people just disappeared. Like, did she not wonder where her cowboy boyfriend went to way back when? I mean, yeah, he was a drifter, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. but how did Jamie know about it and not Beth? Because it yeah. seemed like when they were younger, Beth spent much more time around the bunkhouse boys than Jamie did. Jamie, yeah, he was. you see him when he's younger. He's there branding cattle. But that's everybody was all hands on deck for branding cattle, which we saw the last couple episodes. Okay, so think back to, like, season one. They introduced Jamie as, like, the legal cover-up for anything they need to cover up. He's had to cover up, you know, the hitmen that they killed. He's had to, you know, like, he's he's had to have known. Right, he's had to have his hands dirty at some point. But to know about the train station, I feel like is different. Like, Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Like, to his point, you know, where do you think those those guys that attacked her in the office went and what was it i can't i'm trying to think back to season one when he was like also legally covering up some sort of missing i can't remember but i just feel like he would have had to have had that information at some point because he's a lawyer so he would say okay well where did this person go or um you know he he covered up that the people who were on the ranch like shooting at monica and tate like i don't know logistically i feel like it makes sense for him to know it maybe not the exact location I don't feel like he's ever been there before, you know? Well, he seemed to know about it from when he was dropping his dad off there last season. Well, so. yeah. I mean, he wasn't, like, putting it in MapQuest, so. <laughs> Wait, do we still have MapQuest? <laughs> oh, my God. I had to turn away from the microphone. It was getting too hot. <laughs> putting in ways. In know. ways. What happens when like you put the ways. train station in ways? Yeah, right. There's a... um like little icon that pops up don't go there little skull and crossbones yeah (laughs) so funny yeah so i'm just uh, this whole thing with beth not knowing about the train station i just find it a little hard to swallow only because of how the last episode of season four was set up you know like, like logistically the way that you know she approached jamie she did not come from behind she did not follow his car there and there's no way she could drive with her headlights off. Like, I, I kind of imagined a lot of different scenarios here. Yeah. I mean, it absolutely felt like she was waiting for him there. Like, that was She the had assumption. time to approach him yeah. from the angle that she wanted. Yeah, she had time to wait for him to Unload the body and, and stuff like that. Unload the body. 
But I just, I did appreciate how well Jamie presented this side that that she was so blindsided by. And he literally diced it up like an onion and served it up to her. nice. You know? I just enjoyed seeing that. Finally. It was satisfying to see Beth caught off guard. I will say that. And and this is her own fault for me even saying this, of how horribly she's been at, like, the brink of all these really horrible events. Like, she's, like, the mastermind behind so much horrible stuff that I'm just like, I don't have a lot of pity for her. I don't have a lot of time for her immaturity now. And I just feel like you got served a little bit here. Good for him. That's how I felt about it. And then he got in further digs. Like, the goal is protecting the ranch for future generations, of which you have none. I was like, that was how she didn't murder him in this moment. But she was right. so blindsided that she was just, she was paralyzed. His idea for then is, you know, monetizing the ranch any which way he can. And then he kind of compliments her in the most backhanded of ways, right? Saying that, you know, she's smart and that, you know, the cattle business is not the way forward. Yeah. And that she, she knows seen all this, this, you know. And she does. But now he says something here, and I was just like, ooh. He says the greatest threat to the ranch is their father. Yeah. And Jamie's going to remove the threat, which to me sounds like so much more than just the governor's office. Okay, yeah, maybe. I think he might be looking for a two-for-one kind of a deal. (laughs) Because if he eliminates John, then he gets to do whatever he wants to protect the ranch the way he sees it. Mm Mm-hmm. And if he gets Beth out of the way, then that's his biggest obstacle right there. It was something that I watched. I saw it on the second time I watched it that I was like, oh, that didn't sound right. I didn't pick up on that because I heard, you know, in my mind, I was assuming he just meant the governorship. But yeah, you're right. I mean, because just removing him as governor wouldn't really solve that problem for the ranch. Right. And now he's got his kid that he wants to think about and protect his future. Still don't know what happened to Christina. She might have hightailed it after she figured out about Jamie's dad, but I don't know. I feel like we're not done with her. I feel like she's going to come back in a barreling way somehow. But now, Sarah, however much of this she heard, I mean, she probably heard a lot of it because... That's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, no. Like, she probably heard all of it. I was like, yeah, exactly. And like, now she knows about the train station, too. Yeah, that's where I was like, ooh, that's not good. And then she just had to interject herself into the drama. <laughs> I mean, her knowing what they're talking about, that's not good. Because, no. yeah. Not this conversation. No, no. So Beth finding out about the train station, obviously she goes to John and has this conversation with him. So John's already had a whammy of a day yeah. with the, the impeachment. And then there's, we talked about at the top of this episode where the news report is talking about the wolf radio collars that were recovered and the data on, indicates it's not good for John. On Governor Dutton's land. Oh, right, yeah, like, they just oh, spelled it out crap. right there. There was, yeah. you know. Uh, and this is another moment where Clara is indignant. She's like, oh, they never reached out for comment. And, you know, she stood up like yeah. she was just like, they never did that. She's already on the defensive, like, that That doesn't hold up. Like, right, like, yeah. that never came through me kind of thing. So I appreciated Clara's loyalty as well, because it's a moment where John probably needed it more than anything. Yeah. Because even Linnell is just like, oh, they smell blood in the water. Um, yeah, which kind of makes it you. feel like she's jumping ship a little. Well, there's only so much you can do. Do you know what I mean? Like, she's not savior in the situation in any way. She might be able to help. 
Um, right. And she tries, she's tried all along to guide him and, and advise him and he doesn't always listen. So I think <laughs> she's just looking at this like, oh, here we go. You know, and I don't think that go she's again. really going to be able to offer all that much help. Best finding out about the train station and confronting John about this. How did this conversation play out for you? Was it a satisfying explanation and one that Beth is going to believe? Yeah, I thought so. I mean, it doesn't need a whole lot of detail to understand what they use it for. You know, like he called it a trash can (laughs) for all the people who attack us. So, I mean, you know, she can think back probably to lots of memories or past thoughts of like, oh, oh, yeah. Well, then what happened to that guy or this? You know, like there's probably people from the ranch that she might have a memory of as a child and like the cowboy that we were mentioning earlier. Mm-hmm. And it might make her like think back and be like, oh, yeah, that guy disappeared. And, oh, yeah, like so and so disappeared. Right, or the men who attacked her. You know, and then wasn't it them. when she first started spending the night with Rip, he had to leave at like three in the morning or something. And he said something about wolves. Wolves or whatever. So, I mean, right. those things oh, would no, come back Casey to mind. Monica, yeah. Well, yeah, but Rip also had some sort of, I believe. But yeah, those things would sort of circle back in your memory and you'd think back and say, okay, yeah. So I think she'll come to realize like how much is there, like how many secrets are there. You know, she has a good point. Well, Jamie knows about it. Like, don't you understand? Like, this is a huge problem. Did you expect her to suggest putting Jamie in the train station? Oh, hell Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we saw uh, yeah, that coming. I thought for sure that it was the only logical conclusion that yeah. she was going to come to. Exactly. And the way she says it, there's no other path forward for Jamie. Unfortunately, that yeah. there's a place where our enemies go, and no one knows about it. Then that's the place for him. But the thing that for me was like, John didn't say no. That's it. Yeah. That's what got he like. There was a pause, and then that's he it. said so, nothing. And sometimes silence is affirmation, right? Yeah, that was the big moment for me when he didn't respond. Is that that cliffhanger we were talking about? You know, there's something too that John said to Beth that had me a little bit not mocking her intelligence, but uh, what am I trying to say? Where he said that she shouldn't be so shocked that they might sometimes need a way to circumvent the consequences of defending themselves, which was a a very Mm -hmm. roundabout way of saying that sometimes we need to sidestep the law. And why is this this should be shocking to her? It's essentially like like Jamie laughing and saying, how didn't you know? Did you even know? You know, for Beth to be blindsided by this, everybody else seems to think that this is ridiculous, that she doesn't know. But also the fact that she hasn't questioned the need for it. Go back to when Tate was attacked and and kidnapped and the militia that they slaughtered. Where do you think all those bodies went? Like, she knows what happened there. You can't just have a trail of dead bodies and not account for it, you know? They can't all go kayaking. (laughs) (laughs) But I also appreciated how John described this. So we've been clued into this place a couple of years back. The zone of death, it's called, Mm -hmm. and it's along the Wyoming border, like it's Wyoming, Idaho border, something like that. But the way he described it is exactly how. Yes. That's how it it was like they were reading the Wikipedia Wikipedia description that we read a few seasons ago. Like a jurisdictional dead zone with zero zero population in the county. Like (laughs) after like the traffic that I sat in for the last week, I'm just like, (laughs) you know what? That sounds attractive. (laughs) But yeah, so just going back to this, like, I just, I don't buy that Beth was that naive about it. Yeah. You know, the the fallout from this, 
has me worried. Like we said this a couple of episodes back that like I'm worried about Beth's handle on reality because she keeps getting pulled back into these haunting moments of her past. Mm-hmm. And she just seems to be acting so much more erratically that I'm just like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to go for you, Beth, because uh, you're not doing so good. And I just feel like yeah. a, a blow like this of just not knowing this one thing that your arch nemesis knows and laughed at you for mm-hmm. It's going to cause her to make some costly mistakes, I feel. Yeah. But I was not shocked in the least when she suggested that that's where Jamie goes. And just the fact that John said nothing, I was like, oh, it's on Mm -hmm. like Donkey Kong right now between (laughs) Beth and Jamie. And you know what? At this point, like, just kill each other. (laughs) Right. Because, like, I've, I've... I need to, them to move on from this feud, but like it's getting so much bigger. There has to be some dramatic tension that has to be alleviated here because these two are just, they're like balloons that are about to pop. Yeah, it's getting crazy because when we cut back to Jamie and he's talking to Sarah, I don't know that I expected him to go on the offense like that. It's very out of character for who yeah. he's been all this time. So for him to start talking about making a move, that's even scarier because now they're both I, like, I mean, someone's going to die. It's like two missiles headed right for a collision path. Yes, you know, like yeah. they're, they're both headed on the same trajectory. So, you know, who's going to flinch kind of thing. Exactly. Jamie's definitely right. Like he, he's right to believe that Beth is going to try to kill, have him killed. And Sarah kind of laughs it off. Like, really? But also like Jamie's saying that like, you know, Beth is a monster. Yes. She's been this way her whole life. We know that. But like, he said that she used to stab him at the dinner table with a fork. No reason, just for the fun of it. I'm like, no reason. I'm like, Jamie, you still have to atone for your reason why Beth hates you. At least yeah. don't say no reason. Like, she has reason to hate me. Don't want to get into it with you right now. For no and just say that she's own. done it as an adult as well. I'm just like, yeah, well, yeah. you know, th- that makes more sense to me than maybe her doing it as an eight-year-old. Not sure about all that. But my gut is definitely telling me that this is not going to go well. For one, I don't think Jamie thinks he's being played. I don't think he thinks that. Like, I feel like Sarah is, she's laid out this roadmap for him and he has literally ticked all the boxes along the, you know, the checkpoints Mm -hmm. here. Somehow I feel like this one's going to backfire on him somehow. The support will go away. The litigation will not go as planned. Something like that. Somehow the rug is going to get pulled out from under him. Also, I think there's a bigger problem here with this hit man thing being brought up on Jamie's so, so Jamie going on the office I feel like the, the big problem here is I feel like the conversation is going to go something like yeah kill the blonde at the ranch but Jamie mm. doesn't know that Summer's there okay. she's blonde too so I kind of feel like that might be a oh. problem I don't think they're going to be checking IDs <laughs> when they're going to do this so that was like a big like question mark because I was like if they just go on what the person looks like it's the blonde it's the blonde woman at the ranch that really narrows it down Yeah. I don't know if I agree that this impeachment isn't going to work out for Jamie. Like, I don't think it's going to work out for him, like, in real life with his family. But, like, why wouldn't this path play out? It seems like it's looking like it might as far as, you know, that Senate vote and the news. And I think he might be able to get John impeached, but I don't think there's, like, a long play after that. And I think that that might be Sarah when Sarah cuts and runs. Once she gets what she wants out of him, the airport project reinstated, she's out. But I just feel like there's going to be destruction in her path. Yeah, she's going to literally throw Jamie to the wolves, his family, if that happens before. Yeah, like if the timing of that, you know, she would just literally walk away and leave him to try to stay alive. 
Trying to stay alive. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not going to look good for him after this. I, that is for sure. So um, I think, like you said, with Jamie and Beth being two missiles pointing at each other, like it looks like it's going to come down to like whoever makes the first move, I guess, at this point, like who has the quicker timing. But again, like, you know, I said a couple of weeks ago or episodes ago, I don't know that you can make the attorney general disappear without raising more questions. So I don't know that they can just send him to the train station. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly that you can't just make a public figure disappear without questions being raised. And surely this is where Christina will raise her head, you know, to come back in and and start making waves because now her baby daddy is gone. But also the people who make the train station happen, you know, Rip being a very large part Mm -hmm. of that, he's gone. Some of the people who would be... I don't like to use the word accomplices, but they would be accomplices in this. Yeah, I mean, I don't see... Yeah, because normally it's not going to be John and Beth driving out there. (laughs) So you're right. Like, who would actually take him there? I get... I see what you mean. I mean, John's not above doing the dirty work. He took that guy Chester there last season. Mm -hmm. Um, It would have to be them. Like, you can't send Colby. Yeah, like, that's personal, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, yeah, maybe it would be Beth and John, and that it's like Beth's branding somehow. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. She's already been branded. She's good. She survived she's a She's got a lot of scars. She's got a lot of scars. She's, she's good. Yeah. And we don't have to question her loyalty to John ever. Yeah. But the logistics of the fallout of making someone like Jamie disappear would raise questions. And yeah. I feel like at some point there will be some sort of, like, forensic mishap that right. would lead them there somehow. Because, like, if Wikipedia and TikTok knows about the zone of death, I'm pretty sure the cops know about the zone of death. Yeah, right. (laughs) They might go check there eventually. They might, you know. I had posted a picture a while back on the Facebook group of, like, Mm -hmm. what the train station looks like in the daylight. And it's, like, a whole, like, just canyon of skulls and bones. (laughs) Doesn't look good. They'll find Wade there for sure. Yeah. This is, like, the big, you know... We've had several cliffhangers, several moments that were huge in this episode, but this is the one that we want to see next and who's going to do what. And so it was a really good sort of build up to this. I think Jamie standing up to Beth made it even that more juicy. And so it's like, I'm super excited just to see what happens. Like it's very uncertain. And now we're talking hitmen and train stations. So this right, is going to be like, interesting like all to the watch. gloves are off now. Yeah. So. And also, you know, with Rip leaving, I just feel like there's a security element to the ranch and to Beth now that's missing. That's true. You know, like your heavy hitters, Walker's gone. Rip is gone. You know, there's Jimmy's mm-hmm. not there. Not that he was a heavy hitter, but he was at least someone who would do what he was told and keep his mouth shut. You know, just leaving Casey and Monica and Tate right now running the ranch. Yeah, it doesn't feel like they can withstand any other storm at the ranch. Like, Yeah, they're a little on the fragile property. at the moment. Yeah. They just need, you know, they need time to regroup and heal. And I don't think that this role is going to allow them to do that. But I did like the fact that Casey's vision came back in here as well. Yeah. When he said that he had yeah, to make a choice. Yeah, we like ended And it was between the ranch and Monica. And like, this feels like the middle ground. Like this feels like the third path that maybe he couldn't see because now Monica's involved. Like she's not choosing between she's involved with the decision and she's okay with it. Yeah. And she sees it as, as you said, maybe she sees it as the third option that he, he isn't going to suggest a third option at this point, you know? (laughs) 
Yeah, but he no, he's just worried because literally this is the crossroads of his vision and he doesn't Mm -hmm. want to lose his family. But also the fact, I think the proximity of East Camp to the reservation is significant as well for Monica, that it's not, it's not the ranch proper. It's like a satellite office kind of thing. Yeah. You've said that before, like a satellite down there in in Texas, right? So this feels like the happy compromises, happy compromises you can have in this kind of a situation. So it'll be interesting to see when this all comes back, how much of what we said is, is right or wrong. It's got to be, like, we need some more explosions, right? Yeah, something's got to blow up. Like, we need some more, like, propane in the trailer. Um, trailer. Yeah. yeah. That was a good That was a good one. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, that was, like, yeah. mile-high, you know, yeah. explosion. So Well, there's know, six I'm... episodes to go in this 14-episode season, so we will see you back whenever it comes back. Yeah, we'll Hopefully let you June know. Hopefully June and not September. When we know, we'll, you'll know. Yes. So as long as you are subscribed, the next episode that comes out, you will definitely hear that. In the meantime, you can keep up with 1923. Caroline and Mike do that podcast every week as those episodes come out. And you can keep track of Yellowstone that way. And then also we have the Facebook group, the Yellowstone 666-1923 News and Discussion Group. Yeah. So check us out. Send us your comments, your feedback. We do like to go down your theories and <laughs> discuss yeah, them as we well. Yeah, we review so. them here on the show. Yeah. Right? Um, hopefully we will, it won't be too long before we're back, but thanks for listening. This is Steph. This is Sheila. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.